Welcome to Access Pro Rata, where we normally take 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. But today we're doing a special five-part series on the coronavirus pandemic, which is changing our economy, our healthcare system, and our way of life. I'm Dan Mack. This episode is focused on how COVID-19 could impact our politics. And I'm pleased to be joined by Axios's Margaret Taleb. This week, we saw both Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders cancel their large-scale events, with President Trump eventually following suit. But as you write today, politics is fundamentally about engaging people. So for these candidates, what is their plan if they can't be shaking hands and kissing babies? Yeah, Dan, it's a really interesting test. And this is going to be all about the virtual connections, you know, whether it's a uh, virtual town hall, as we've seen Joe Biden begin to roll out, whether it's engagement through TV appearances, through literally speeches to no live audience, and through Twitter, which, of course, can amplify all of those discussions. But I think there are two questions. And one is, will it deprive the candidates themselves of that kind of boost of energy and that feedback that they can get from large rallies? and from small events at diners. And audiences at debates, which we're not going to have a crowd at tomorrow night's debates. That's absolutely right. There's going to be that debate was moved from Arizona to CNN's Washington, D.C. TV studio, and it will not be in front of a live audience. And so some of those interactions that we've seen in other debates, like, for example, when Elizabeth Warren was kind of setting Mike Bloomberg on fire and the audience was playing along, we'll see less of that. And it may create a more substantive debate if there's less kind of playing to the crowd, but it also is going to again, deprive some of that energy and that instant feedback that is part of the political ecosystem. Democratic National Committee Chair Tom Perez told uh, Axios on HBO, and he did this during an interview we did on Monday, that there are no current plans to cancel the summer's conventions. But probably on Monday, there were also no plans to cancel the NBA or the NHL. So do you know or have we heard, are the parties making contingency plans for the possibility there will not be summer conventions? Yeah. I mean, what Tom Perez said was true on Monday, and it's probably still true right now as of this moment, but it doesn't mean that that's what's going to hold. They're in daily contact with state and local health officials and government officials, both the Democratic and Republican parties. And a lot of planning goes underway for these massive conventions with literally tens of thousands of people. There's a little bit of time yet. These conventions are not happening for months. And so even if they did need to modify it, they wouldn't need to make those decisions now. But they do need to understand now what their own bylaws allow. And there are rules inside both parties about what would happen if things were going to happen remote instead of in the room. Some of them might require changes. So the lawyers and the leadership of those committees are beginning to try to understand the implications right now. And look, we're already beginning to see, not in terms of the conventions, but in terms of the elections, there are still a wave of primaries left to go. Primaries happening through June, but some happening next week. And we have just seen the state of Louisiana be the first in the nation to say that they are going to take the preemptive step of moving their primary into June because they just don't want to have those public safety concerns right now. What's interesting, of course, is the primaries are run by the parties. And so the parties make the rules and theoretically can change the rules. The November election, though, that's a different sort of thing. That's federal. That is constitutionally mandated, et cetera. Have there been any serious conversations yet about what if people don't feel they can go to physical polling locations? I know that the actual elections technically are run by the states, but it's an extraordinary kind of morass that we could be heading toward. It absolutely is. There is time is pretty much on everyone's side if you're talking about the November election. And most of the changes would take place, again, at the state or local government level. But secretaries of state and the political parties across the country are beginning to talk seriously about this. So is Congress. It's not typically been a role where Congress has wanted to step in, but there is legislation now and Congress 
Congress could do things involving requirements for every state to have mail-in options or more broader absentee options. We're also seeing the presidential candidates, to some extent, begin to engage in this themselves. And that statement from the Biden campaign that went out when Louisiana made its decision goes out of its way to say a voting is at the very heart of who we are as a democracy. And it talks about election officials and public health officials beginning to talk about these issues and says, if you're feeling healthy and you don't think you've been exposed, please go ahead and vote next week. Of course, they want that. But if you're at risk, try to explore absentee ballots and vote by mail options. That's easier in some states than others. And there's going to be a real push the longer this goes on for the states that have held back and really made it difficult to vote any other way than in person for those states to change and offer other options. Thank you to Margaret Tallow for joining us and to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven. For more information, please check out the other coronavirus-related podcasts we've posted today. Each just five minutes long. And also Axios.com for a special package on coronavirus, which includes Margaret's piece on politics. Until next time, please stay calm and keep your distance. 